I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in a lot of trouble. Um, nothing happened. Good morning, everybody. Welcome. It's good, good to be back together. Uh, we were away together last week at Ashburnham, which was a, a great festival linked to our family of churches that we're part of. And I know uh, not loads of us from here went, uh, but those of us who did had a great time. Um, and I'd love us as a family to somehow over the next couple of years, coming months, whatever, learn to connect more with the wider family that we're part of. So I think one of the things that struck me recently is the excitement of we're not part of a denomination. We're, we're not an, we try not to be, we, we're not an institutional church that's, you know, part of a group that's been going for hundreds and hundreds of years. I mean, I would argue we're part of um, this church, which has been going for thousands of years. But the family that we're particularly plugged into, um, we try to work hard at it not being a denomination. And so our gatherings that we put on and do together, prayer times or festivals, um, they are more opportunities really for us to connect with the family that we're part of rather than they are just interesting events that we can go to. Uh, my observation is we're in an interesting, interesting age in the society and the church generally where there's just so many options all the time. You know, I'm sure a room like this, we've all been to different festivals over the summer, um, Christian festivals, different things going on perhaps. And often that's because um, of habit, we just go to that one. Often we behave like con consumers, not always in a bad way, but like we go to the one that's best. We think it's going to do, it's going to be best for us, which is fine. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But I'd love us as a church to try to find a different way that we actually are we're part of a family. It's not like this is a better thing to come to than anything else. It's like let's learn to be the family of God together. And actually, Ash Burnham, there's some great content that was just spoken to us as a church and to us as churches, um, which are available on the internet here. Um, is this is a computer still playing up, John? Um, if you go here to the New Ground website, uh, newgroundchurches.org, then there's just video content and audio from the weekend. It'd be great for you to catch up, partly because I think this is stuff that we, God speaks to us as a church and as a family of churches, and we want us to all hear that together. Um, so do please plug in with that. The, actually, the, the festival that we went to is no longer going to be at Ashburnham. Um, for the past couple of years, they've been running a, an every two-year event there on the bank holiday weekend, but it's actually going to be in Norfolk Agricultural Showground, which people have said to me, if we couldn't get the church to go to Ashburnham up the road, getting to Norfolk for a long weekend is a challenge. But um, Norfolk Agricultural Showground, which is where they have New Day, and it's going to be in a year and a half's time, Maybank Holiday Weekend. I'd love to take more of us. Um, whether or not it's a good event, I don't know, but it's great to be together as a family. Um, we were just sat under trees having picnics while the kids played football from dawn till dusk, and we could talk about grown-up things like mortgages. And um, I don't know, we didn't talk about mortgages once. I don't know why I said that. Um, while we were there, one of the speakers, a guy named Pete Anderson, who's a Scottish guy, he spoke on the Saturday evening, and the theme of the conference was on being empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's one of the things he said really stood out. He said, we are not filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can be drinkers, but in order that we might be rivers. Rivers of blessing that flow into the town, which is, I think is great for us as a church because we meet for worship every week in an old dried up riverbed. I didn't know if you knew that. Um, but a few hundred years ago, where we're sat, you'd all be underwater. Uh, that's why that's called the causeway, because it's the causeway over the river that we're in now. And I love that on that level, but also I just think prophetically, um, God is wanting to speak to us as a church 
A couple of years ago, actually, we felt him speak to us about being a reservoir, a source of refreshment and life to many people, people that would travel from far to be part of the community that we are. And to an extent, that happens. We've got people who come from as far as Peacehaven and Eastbourne to connect with us. But we think God has put something in us to want to be a people that act uh, act as a source of blessing and refreshment to people. So the Holy Spirit isn't given that we could be drinkers, but there would be rivers. And he also said this, Pete Anderson, he said, the answer for your community is not going to fall from the sky, but it's going to go out from within you. The answer for the community that we're in, the people, not the, the town, but the people that you live alongside, is you and the gifts that God's given you and the heart he's given you to love them, the spirit he's put in you. As a church, over the last few, few weeks, we've been able to start blessing and enriching the more of the town in the way that we've been able to behave. So um, Fran and her team have put on the pop-up cinema and cafe here throughout August, which every Wednesday, 10 to 12, there's just been free film and activities going on, and they have done just a, a fantastic job. Uh, in terms of helping us as a church do what we, we dreamt about, being able to bless the people of this town and to share the good news with them in time. Um, actually, I said to Matt Troy earlier, I said, isn't it amazing? Like when we started here, we, we dreamt of being able to gather crowds of people to something that we would put on to just bless them and get to know them and do them good and then tell them about Jesus. I said, now we're, we're seeing that start to happen. And Matt said, yeah. Maybe we should have had bigger dreams. <laughs> we're at a stage where like, we need bigger dreams. I feel like Jaws, you're going to need a bigger boat. We're going to need bigger dreams to do what God's called us to do. In fact, where is um, Fran and her team? If you're involved with the pop-up cinema or cafe, can you just put your hand up and give us a wave? So that's Trish, Tracy, a few of us. Look at these hands. Um, come on, um, put your hands up, Maureen. Come on. <laughs> I said Margaret for a second there. Weird. Um, let's give them a round of applause. Thank you so much. I mean, every, every week, I think the last one, Martin Jemison County said there was over 150 people here. And we've had cards and notes and letters and stuff just saying thank you so much for putting stuff on for us that's free because summer holidays are expensive for families. And that's off the back of us also doing the, the Chinkton Volleyball um, Day during the summer. And again, people just saying thank you so much for being a church that does stuff like this for the town. It's really exciting. And I, I, I kind of want to impress this upon us because it's funny that Amy brought the word she did because... I really wanted to say this. We are not professionals. We're not a professional body, um, which is obvious to anyone who comes because like, we've got one staff member and I'm not very professional in the way that I live. Um, I'm quite an amateur and I feel like that's a calling over me and us as a church. The word amateur means to be a lover. It comes from the Latin word amor, to be a lover. So we do things that we love and we're here to be those who love the town, love the people, not professionals who put on a service and you know, for those of us who've been in the church since, since we began here, um, nearly, nearly nine years ago next week, I think, and the week after, nine years ago we just began renting a school, 60-odd people, and most of them were odd. Um, you were part of it, that's why I say that. 60-odd um, people, 60-odd <laughs> people, and now gathering regularly double that on a, on a Sunday and starting to impact more of the community. Like, our goal isn't to, isn't to be a professional body that provides services, you know. We're not here to do ministry, we're here to be people who love Jesus, love one another, and invite one another to invite the town to come and hear the good news of Jesus' act of death and resurrection that's brought salvation, hope, and healing to the world. 
And um, yeah, yeah, that's that's that. <laughs> this morning, I'm not. For the next two Sundays, I want us to have like, well, in my in my plans, I was like, these are vision Sundays, where I want us to roll out just some of the vision and heart that God has for us. Um, but if I'm honest, the idea of vision Sunday, where you stand up and launch lots of beautiful and brilliant ideas is one thing, it's fine. But actually, I feel like vision involves two things. It's both what can we see God doing through us as a church in the future, but it's also a vision of what is God wanting to say to us right now about who we are and where we're at. And so this week, partly, I suppose, why I begin with a lengthy introduction like that is because I, I want this to be more of a, just a time for us as a family to gather and say, what's, what's some of the stuff, what's God done? But what's he saying to us right now? Where are some areas where we perhaps just need to turn some dials or listen to his spirit speak to us to change some of the things perhaps that are going on? So I'm going to read for us from um, John chapter 7, just a couple of verses. We'll talk a bit about that and um, see what God wants to say to us. Okay? Yeah, let's do this. Come on. All right, John 7, verse 37 to 39. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus had not yet been glorified. There's tons we could talk about from here, but there's two things I really kind of think that God wants to put his finger on for us as a church um, and address. And I think it's the two things are fear and passivity. Fear and passivity. Those are both massive issues in our culture generally. We're in a, a very fearful, anxious society which is strange because we're in the healthiest, safest society that's ever existed, and yet fear is latent. People always look left and right, and before they do anything, no one wants to step out of a comfort zone, no one wants to be noticed, no one wants to be shamed on social media. We're in an increasingly angry society where people just vent online. But we aren't just people who live in a society like that. I think as a church, there's, there's quite a lot of fear in us. We're quite fearful. And we gather for worship, and a lot of us are very happy to let the people at the front do the things, because either we're just used to that format, like, I get it, there's a lot of us in the room, we can't all speak, um, but often it's because I've, I've often spoken to people, and they've said, I feel like God's spoken to me to share something to encourage the church, but I was scared, and I didn't, didn't do anything about it. That's quite common, there's nothing in necessarily wrong with that, it's just natural and human, but fear I think sometimes can create a culture where no one wants to say anything no one wants to put their head above a parapet for fear of you know, getting it wrong often we're very afraid of getting things wrong and passivity um, is perhaps an issue as well for us increasingly I'm very excited to see that, you know stuff like the pop-up cinema and cafe I think is brilliant because what it does is it starts to shift something in us as a people that says oh we can do this we can put stuff on people will come we can try stuff for God. We can dream and have a go. A phrase we often use is, have a go, you never know. Or the other way around, you never know, so have a go, or something like that. 
Uh, it's not that catchy because I can't even remember it. But I want us to try, somehow try to shift these two things, fear and passivity, so that we might see a church community here created that operates a lot more like a body and like a community and like a family and less like a professional entity or less like a consumer event um, where we come to uh, on a Sunday, we gather and we go. It's, church is about learning to do things differently than that. And that takes time. It, it takes a generation. It takes 10, 20 years of being part of the people of God together to learn to see what God can do among us. But my observation with fear and passivity is that these aren't intellectual problems. It's not as if I can get a, a PowerPoint or a flip chart and convince you of reasons why we ought to, I guess, part company with fear and part company with passivity and just be bold and strong. I can't draw up a, a, a five-point plan of how to do that because this is an intellectual problem. This is a spiritual problem. It's a social problem. And the Lord says in the Bible often, well, in, in various ways, he says it often in different settings. He says, the, the, ba the battle is mine, says the Lord, not yours. And not by might, not by power or intellect, not with a great army or with horses, but by my spirit. So let's start like that. Let's pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit. If you think, God, I would love to be less fearful in my Christian life. I'd love to be more active with the things that you've given me. Let's just pray and let's invite the Holy Spirit to start to do some of that now. Father, when you took hold of us, you knew exactly what you were getting. And you don't expect us to have a, a personality or character transplant or bypass, God. You love us for who we are. I ask God, however, that you'd help us to be a more fully alive version of ourselves. Lord, we acknowledge that the enemy lies to us. He tries to steal the good things that you offer us. Father, we confess that we are often fearful and timid and passive where we ought to be full of faith and courage. And we confess, God, that we cannot break this ourselves. And we ask, Spirit of God, come and set your people free free from the gods of this age, free from the, the cultural trappings we're in, free to be the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, pure, spotless, devoted only to Jesus. And there's a promise in what we read, Jesus just saying. Jesus promised that whoever came to me, whoever believed in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his inmost being, or the word there is belly, or sometimes womb out of his inmost being the part of him part of her where life is born out of their inmost being rivers of living water will begin to flow jesus wants to turn on a tap or he offers a tap of refreshment and life being turned on in anyone and everyone who comes to him such that sundays don't become an experience where we basically if you ever, I don't know if you ever feel like this. Bring my empty bucket to church, spiritually speaking. And I go, God, fill it up with a nice talk and some lovely music, and that will help me feel closer to you, and then I'll go. It's quite a common experience that we probably will relate to in some degree. But Jesus wants us as a people to move to a place where we're aware I have living water flowing out from within me. 
but means I have a source of nourishment and refreshment and courage in me constantly overflowing to others. That's what I think God wants for us. And in the, in the landscape that Jesus is speaking to, his, to the people that are listening to him, he's speaking in the Middle East um, where water occupies a place of prominence in people's minds in a way that it probably doesn't for us. You think, if I'm thirsty, you turn the tap on. You live in a land where you have to travel to get some water in a land that's arid and hot, dusty and dry. You think about, you obsess about water a lot. In fact, when, you're, when you reach a place of real thirst, where you're gasping, and you haven't drunk for a day or so, water starts to become an obsession. And there's many scriptural promises, promises in the Bible that are linked to water. Psalm 1 says that the person who meditates on the Word of God will be like a tree planted by streams of water that gives fruit in its season and its leaves never wither. In fact, there's, in Isaiah 41, there's promises here. Isaiah 41, 17 to 18. The poor and needy search for water. Oh, hello, go back. I was reading that, mate. <laughs> the poor and needy search for water, but there is none. Their tongues are parched with thirst. But I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. And then Isaiah 44. Next one. For I will, this is a promise before Jesus. For I will, what are you doing to me? <laughs> For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit. The link Jesus identifies the spirit and water. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. They will spring up like grass in a meadow, like poplar trees by flowing streams. And then in the prophetic book of Ezekiel, there's this just glorious image that many people allude to um, in the New Testament, and it's, prom like it's at the forefront of people's minds, where the people of God aren't living in the land of their heritage, the land that God had given them, but instead have been exiled through their disobedience. They're slaves in a foreign land, and a vision is brought about water again. Isaiah, Ezekiel is taken in the spirit to the temple, and it says this, Then he, this, this angel that's leading him, brought me back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold, the entrance of the temple towards the east. Water starting to flow out from under the doors. Which if you've had a, ever had a leak in your house, you know, there's, that's alarming. Um, we, had leak, we, had a, we had a leak in our um, bathroom five years ago and it was pouring down into our kitchen. We thought, this is alarming, quick, stop it. Which we did, we've stopped it. Um, and actually, two months ago, we fixed it. Five years ago, we had the problem. Two months ago, I eventually got a plasterer in. Um, and then, two days after fixing it and painting it and making it new, my boys decided to fill the bath and cause it to overflow again. So we came downstairs and there's new water pouring down. It's alarming when that happens and frustrating for parents. But for Ezekiel, he understands this water is a, is a sign of blessing. It is the Spirit of God, the life-giving, nourishing, refreshing presence of God that the world longs for, that his people longed for. And now they're seeing it's leaving the temple. It's flowing out. It causes him some concern. Where's God going, he perhaps thinks. But the stream that flows out of the presence of God grows and grows and grows and gets bigger and bigger and bigger. In, in Ezekiel um, verse 5, 47 verse 5, John, 
we put that up, it says this, but now as he follows the river, now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that no one could cross. Water, streams, flowing, the Spirit of God. And Jesus offers that to anyone who is thirsty. Are we thirsty? Are we needy? Do we desire more of the Spirit of God and the life-giving, refreshing power of God? Who's Jesus speaking to? It says on the last day of the feast. He's at a Jewish festival. There was three significant Jewish festivals in the calendar. This was one of them. And Jesus used each of the three festivals in the Jewish calendar to, to speak to the people or to demonstrate to the people something about what God was doing in and through him to, the, to his people and to the world. But at this festival, it was a time where people remembered how God had literally saved their nation from dying of thirst in the desert during the, the, the time that Moses led them out of the slavery in Egypt. They were in the desert, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, and there's no water. And Moses is commanded by God to hit a rock with his staff. And out of the rock, God causes again, gushes and gushes, fire hydrants worth of water just to pour out. And for people, to, for there to be enough water, that they could all be saved from dying of thirst. And every year, people would build booths to remember their time that they lived in tents in the desert. And this was a big part of their festival where God had saved their lives. And part of what the people would do is, they would, they would live in these tents and there would be things throughout the week, be different family, it would be a family holiday, people would travel to Jerusalem, there'd be a, 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 a nighttime procession of torches uh, to remember the time God led them with pillars of fire in the desert, there would be family gatherings, there would be um, dances that went on, and then at the end, the priests would gather and they would take some water out of the pool of Siloam, some water that had been blessed that people thought had like powers from God and they would pour the water over the altar and it would slowly start to drip down and it would be a sign and it would be both a remembrance of what God had done and it would be a sign that he's the God who refreshes the needy and gives life and Jesus uses this festival to point to himself and he stands up in a loud voice you see, to, to that group of people, and in any group like that, there's some who are just there for the free cake and for the fun. There are some who are there because this is what we do every year. And there are some among them who are just longing, God, don't just do it then, do it now. Do it for us. And in any church, every week, depending on what's going on in our lives, how busy our heads are perhaps, we come. And in any room, there's going to be people who think, oh, I'm just here because I do this every week. There's some here, I do this because I, I'm, on, I'm on duty, I've got to serve. And probably for all of us, there's an element to it, God, I don't want this to be dead routine. I don't want this to be just a dead tradition. God, refresh me, refresh us. Make us the people of God on fire in this town to bring life to people. And it's that that Jesus offers to thirsty people. God, come and do that among us, please. Save us from dead routine and dead tradition. You know, thirsty people are not so afraid 
that they won't take a drink. You know, what stops us? How do we get rid of fear in our lives? Where does fear come from? Probably lots of sources, lots of ways to break it, but a couple is I think it has to do with decisions we make and desires we have. There are things that right now you're afraid of, but you know if I just make a decision now before I'm afraid, I'll start to conquer that fear. So I hate heights. Several years ago, I did rock climbing. Um, I wasn't very good, but I told myself when I was on the ground, I can do that. I was up there, I was terrified, but I made the decision on the ground, so I did it. There are decisions that we can make to say, God, though, though I feel afraid, I'm going to do it anyway. The word decide means to cut off. That's the root word. Um, pesticide, patricide. We kill our fathers, we kill the insects, pesticide, patricide. To decide is to cut something off. So I'm going to die to fear. It's not going to have, a co- have command over me. It's not going to have mastery over me. I'm going to come to church and I'm going to share what you've done in my life recently, God. I'm going to make that decision before the fear comes. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what things intimidate you. But the Bible says you have all, we've all got gifts. And we use our gifts to help strengthen the body. So if you're not using a gift, and I don't mean you have to serve on a rotor, if you're not using a gift, it means that we as a body aren't as strong and as healthy as we could be. I know one church leader, Francis Chan, he once sat down with someone and he said to them, um, if everybody in the church was as committed or devoted as you are, would the church be healthier or less healthier? It's quite a challenging comment. Again, it's not about serve on a rotor It's not about, come on, pull your finger out. It's like, you have gifts. You are gifted and talented people. I know that because the Bible tells me so. And often, one of the reasons why we don't use our gifts is because we're afraid. I I know people who, who contribute on a Sunday morning quite often. And they'll bring a prophetic... Um, word they think God might have spoken to, they'll bring a Bible reading, and it's very encouraging for us. I know for some of those people, they're terrified, but they're doing it because they want to punch fear on the nose, and they want to bless the people of God, and so often afterwards, people will say, oh, when they shared that, I was enriched. It built me up. I feel stronger because, not because they're superheroes, or because they are just an extrovert, and the rest of us, we can just sit still and let all them, let the, the courageous ones do it. No, it's because they're afraid, but they don't let fear dictate who they are because they know God has not given us a spirit that makes us controlled by fear, but he's given us a spirit of sonship. We know we're loved. I know I'm loved, I'm secure. These are my family. I'll use the gifts that God's given me. So we make decisions, but we've also have desires, desires that help us overcome. If you're thirsty, as I said, you don't care about your fear. Fear just gets disregarded because I'm longing. I'm longing for a move of God. I wish I longed more for a move of God. I wish I was more passionate. I wish I was more hungry. But I'm hoping that you can help me grow in hunger and longing for God in the way that we interact together, encourage one another, prompt one another, come on, we can do this. We were, when we were away last weekend, often when, when my kids meet people for the first time, they go quiet and they go shy. It's quite a common thing for kids. They're very comfortable and happy and loud at home. And so if we want our kids to calm down, we just make them meet strangers. 
You're like, oh, you're so lively. Let's just go knock on that door. And they go like this. So they're often very shy, which is lovely. For a few minutes when we meet someone, like, this is the best it's going to get. So let's, like, let's have our meaningful conversation now, and we'll do the small talk at the end. But uh, when we were away recently, I was talking to someone. That Zach, my middle son, didn't really know very well. So I thought, he's going to be fine. But he was so rude, he just ran straight in and started shouting at me, I'm hungry! He was yelling at me, I'm hungry! And normally what I do is I say, nice to meet you, hungry, I'm dad, no, I'm talking. But I was like, what is that? I'm talking, what are you doing? He's like, I'm hungry! He didn't care. He overcame his shyness, his fear, his respectability. I'm hungry. Some of us, all of us, we need more of that spiritually speaking. God, I'm hungry. I'm fed up with how things are in the town, in my family, in the church. Make me hungrier for the things of God, please. And when we've got desire like that, it pushes through our fear. It overcomes our passivity and we think, I'm getting that. Um, Jesus, you've said, if you're thirsty, come to me, and you will, I will give you a tap of living water, which is flowing water as opposed to stagnant water, living water. I'll give you living water that constantly refreshes. And we go, that was lovely. I had that in 1994 at that conference. That was lovely. Actually, we should be those saying, no, God, every day, every week, give it to me. You know, and I'll, I'll share with you last night, I went to bed, I was thinking about this this morning, and I was tired, and I, I did. I just thought, oh, God, I, want, I wish the church had a pastor that was hungrier for you than I am. I don't feel like my passion for God, my zeal is enough. It's not enough to see what we want to see done in this town, in my family. It's not enough. And it was lovely. I just felt reminded in that moment, that's what the gospel's about, son, you're not enough. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough energy. You're not gifted enough. You're not strong enough. You're not clever enough. You can't hold people's attention for long enough. You can't. You're not enough. Why did you laugh when I said that? <laughs> I'm not. But the gospel, the precise heart of the Christian message is, you're not enough. But I love you, and I put my spirit in you, and I'm enough. You know, we, I love it. We're singing that song over and over. Stir a passion in my soul, God. Let it overflow. It's not, God, I've got passion and it's overflowing and now surely I'm gonna, we're going to transform the world, God. It's a God, stir a passion in us. You know, and that's one of the, that is the heart of the Christian message that makes us different from every other thing around them, us, every other ideology, religion, worldview, movement, it's this, you're not enough, but he is. You're not enough, and you haven't done enough, and all you've contributed to this is your sin, but here's a gift of grace, of life and joy and peace and power and the presence of God, the love of God, the adoption of God in your life. You know, there's that verse in John's Gospel elsewhere where Jesus says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world, and then he says, my peace I give to you. You know, if we're honest, we're all longing for peace. And increasingly, it's increasingly popular to make sure you get spaces where you can find peace, mindfulness, not a bad thing. But we seek it out, get moments of peace where we can think and have calm. Because we've got to find peace 
in the midst of a crazy, chaotic world, noisy, and it's getting busier with our phones and our screens and our kids. They're just getting worse. But Jesus says, have my peace. Jesus says, have my zeal. Zeal for my Father's house consumed me, it said of Jesus. Have my zeal, have my passion, have my peace, have my spirit. Receive, 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 receive. And now here, anyone who believes in me, out of his inmost being will flow rivers of living water. So church, let's come to Jesus again. Let's ask him again. Let's long for more of him again Ask him to stir up a hunger and a thirst and a passion in our souls that will overflow. And you know, the point of a river is that it goes outwards. It doesn't just get contained here. We're not here to just come and get drink, 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 drink. We're here to come and then overflow to bless and enrich and encourage and empower the people around us. But we can't do that without him. But we're to be those who give away and keep giving away and keep giving away. And because we've got a tap turned on inside of living water, we find ourselves always constantly refreshed. John Bunyan, the writer of Pilgrim's Progress, he once wrote um, a little ditty. He said, there, wa- there once was a man, the world thought him mad. The more he gave away, the more he had. That should be true of the church. He's writing about Christians. There once was a man, there once was a church, there once was a group of people. The world did think you mad because the more you gave away, the more you had. Because we have living water that flows out from within us. Let's pray.